0: Hey everyone, welcome to This is Steph Sober, a weekly podcast for those in need of some sober support. I'm your host, Steph, and in this episode, I chat with Tamsin, who is six months sober. Because she started drinking at 13, Tamsin never really let herself feel her feelings. She always used alcohol to get out of her own head. So getting sober has brought up a lot of emotion. And she has days when she questions, why am I doing this? But even on the bad days, Tamsin still feels like she is in control. She is learning to sit with her feelings and feel her feelings. Tamsin, you are doing incredible. Feeling the feels is really hard and I am someone who relates to your journey. Keep going. Keep feeling And know that some of your best days are ahead of you. This is Tamsin Sober. How are you doing? I'm good. It's really nice to meet you. I'm really excited to do this. I know that it's we booked it a while ago, so I'm kind of curious on where you're at from the time we booked it.
1: Well, I'd like to say that I'm like a million times better, but I don't think, <laughs> I don't know. I have I have good days and I have really bad days and I have no idea which what what my day's gonna look like when I wake up. Um so yeah, I'm still in that place and I'm just desperately waiting for the like evening out, which yeah. I know is gonna come, but um yeah I'm, I'm, I'm very impatient <laughs> I'm just like come on already to make me feel better <sighs>
0: yeah I'm the same way how how long have you been sober now
1: so I will be six months on Tuesday on the 21st on Tuesday next Tuesday So six months feels like a real Congrats. big one that is a big mm-hmm. one it feels wow. like a big one I don't know why it feels you know every day really is a is a as an achievement, or every month, but six months just feels like ah, it's like okay, we're getting real milestones now.
0: Yeah, half a year, you're halfway through a year. I mean, yeah. I think everyone looks forward to that one year because you get through everything like all the holidays, all the seasons, yeah. all the events, and yeah. yeah, just getting through the first of everything. So, like, six months, you're halfway there, right? You're halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, halfway, halfway. I'm also like, I'm also quite keen to get to like nine, nine or ten months. um I'm looking forward to that because I didn't drink during my pregnancy. So I'm like, yeah. well, technically, I have sober over for nine months before. But it, I know it's very different, isn't it? But it's, it's, yeah, I'm thinking when I get to like nine and a half months, I can literally say I've never since I was 13 <laughs> gone this long without a drink before. So, Yeah, I was,
0: I was looking forward to nine months for the same exact reason, because that was the that was the longest I had ever gone. I started drinking when I was 14. But, you know, like you were saying, when I was pregnant, I wasn't focused on sobriety for nine months, you're focused on the pregnancy. And yeah, you don't even realize, for me, I was having anxiety before I got pregnant. Didn't have anxiety the whole time I was pregnant the anxiety started again after I was pregnant. And instead of me thinking, Hmm, I wonder if it's alcohol that never crossed my mind. I thought mm. it was something to do with going back on birth control pills, things like that. Yeah. And now looking back, you know, mm. when I got yeah. hit nine you months, God, I'm ever. like, my anxiety's gone. You yeah. know, you start, pe- <laughs> and you're like, Oh my gosh, yeah. I suffered for that many more years, not even realizing that you know I thought alcohol was helping me I I
1: think as well with the pregnancy like you don't it's it's the the sort of thing you you know you can't drink whereas when you choose to become sober it's it's a choice and so I'm actually I could go and drink but I'm making a choice not to that feels like you know the battle in itself um but anxiety yes my anxiety actually I'm going to give a massive positive to to the six months my anxiety has got a lot lot better already like so much better and it's the same thing like you were saying I didn't realize how much anxiety I had like to just do really simple things like that I used to live in in an um like more into central London I'm a little bit further out of London now and um I, I couldn't go on the tube I couldn't go on the train I could like I would get so stressed out about the tiniest thing and I just always thought oh it's just my brain I catastrophize you know I'm just I'm just being silly but actually all these little things that I used to get so anxious about, I don't have that anymore. I can just happily go on a train and have, and it's just bizarre to think, oh, well, what's changed other than I've stopped drinking?
0: <laughs> Isn't it crazy? And it's it's so freeing because like you said, it's those little things, but those little things were so disruptive in your day. Like for me, mm. I hated flying on airplanes. I hated long car rides. Um, I hated sitting in the carpool line at school to pick up my daughter. I would have major panic attacks. Like I'd be sitting there and all of a sudden I'd just be panicking and freaking out and just wanting to drive away. And, you know, I can't, cause I'm sitting there waiting for her. And it's just, those are so, those moments are so exhausting throughout your day. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, and now yeah. I don't have those at all. And it's just, it's like the gate has opened. Like, what can I do now? <laughs> I can do all these things because it's not, the anxiety isn't there to hold me back. And,
1: uh, Yeah, because it's debilitating and it's slow. I think it like creeps in it does. and you don't realize how much of a hold it's taken over you until you don't have it anymore. And then it's like last week, my mum asked me to pick her up from the airport and this teeniest thing, of, I, I just was like, Well, yeah, I can drive on a motorway by myself. I can do a grown-up thing. (laughs) Like, you know, I I am a grown-up. When am I going to realise I am a grown-up? But I just, A, my mum would never have asked me six months ago to pick her up. It just wouldn't have been a thing. And the fact that I can go and do things like that, it's just, that is the, yeah, the freedom of of choice I suppose because I think when you're when you're so stuck in the drinking you've got no choices because all your choices are leading to well no I won't drive and pick you up because I'll, it'll be evening and I'll be drinking or no I'll have a hangover or no, you
0: you just don't have the options that you you have when you don't drink it is it's free it's freedom and the further along you get in sobriety it's just the more you start realizing all these things that are available yeah. to you now that you, like you said, the time, you know, you're not caught up in worrying about, I'll be drinking in the evening. So I can't do that. Um, it's just, oh, it's awesome.
1: <laughs> it's so much good to come.
0: I'm sure. Oh yeah, I know. It just keeps getting better. And I, I mean, I know people who are, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years sober, and they say it just keeps getting better. And I'm like, gosh, you know, I just can't <laughs> like, that's just so exciting to hear, you know, cause you're just yeah. you're waiting for, I think you're just, when you were stuck in dr- the drinking days and just in that rut and in that routine, and then you get out of it, you kind of, there's just, at least for me, there's this part of me that just keeps waiting for everything just to go back to that. Like, like this is all just too good to be true or just like a dream state. Like it's never going to stay this good, but I mean, I'm about I'll be 14 months sober soon. And it's like, it's still really, really good. If not better. Like it's just, yeah. I don't know. My life just keeps getting better. (laughs) Good.
1: Well, that's very encouraging. And I see it. I see it a lot. Um, I see, you know, I, um, I hear all the magic and all the miracles and all the blessings. And I'm just, that's what keeps me, Kind of going on the days where I'm like, why am I doing this? (laughs) Because I do have those days, and you know, it'd be really foolish, I think, even to myself, to lie to myself to say that I haven't questioned it a lot because I have. But ultimately, I don't want to give up. Giving, I don't want to give up until I've. Well, I don't want to give up ever. You know, honestly, truly, I I don't want to ever go back to drinking because even my bad day. My life is still, is in my control. I think think that is really the difference. I know that I'm making decisions based on reality rather than based on just very silly, impulsive, reckless, stupid decisions.
0: Mm -hmm. Or just not feeling well because you're hungover or whatever it may be added to your already, because we're all going to have bad days. And I think that's a big realization that I had to have in my sobriety, mm. because I drank to avoid all the bad stuff mm. in life. I mean, I would just drink mm. until I didn't care anymore about anything negative. And that's probably been the hardest thing for me. What is the hardest thing for you? Like when you say you're having a bad day, like what are some things that come up that make you feel like you're struggling?
1: I think that the hardest thing for me on the bad days is just knowing that I just have to sit and I just have to feel whatever it is because I've never ever had to do that before in my life I've never I've never really had emotions because I would drink to any emotion to any excuse and for any cause for any reason I would I would always drink I would always find something in whatever the situation was happy sad worrying I'd find a way to tailor it so that that meant that I could have a drink so just really just waking up in a slightly bad mood is like oh but I've just got to stay in this bad mood all day (laughs) you know because I think it's that yeah the thing I struggle with is not having any escapism at all like not being able to get out of my own head um and I think that was, yeah, that's been my ultimate, yes, hands down that has been the biggest struggle I've found with sobriety is is facing up to the fact that my life for as long as I can remember it, I've, I've never had to feel anything, really. And if I did feel something that I didn't like, I could get rid of it. It's learning all these emotions for the first time. It's feeling all these things, really, it's like, I'm, Sort of feel like a child again. <laughs> yeah. like I'm coming to just coming to try and realise, and I think it makes it. It's not that it makes me sad. Um It's just really hard to explain. I think to especially to people who who haven't had alcohol issues, or you know, to try and to try and articulate it to say, I don't know why I'm feeling bad today. I just am. I'm just not stable in my own brain yet and I guess it's the stigma and the the, the things that come with thinking that oh maybe I've got maybe I am actually really meant you know mentally unwell which is absolutely fine you know there's no there there shouldn't be any shame in in -hmm. having that but when you realize that (laughs) Mm -hmm. maybe you drank for that reason but like I think I'm starting to to think to myself oh actually maybe alcohol was my medicine for a really really long time and I just never realized it because and then now that that medicine's gone I've got to just sit with I've got to sit with my brain and I've got to feel these thoughts and I've, and I've got to start figuring out whether how to regulate them and and how to get away you know how to make them more manageable and mm-hmm. how to not spend so much time in my own head. it's like there's two choices I'm either in my head or I'm off my head (laughs) neither of them where I where I really want to be if I'm honest you know I don't I don't want to be in my head and I don't want to be off my head so it's just a real learning curve to just be to just to just be level
0: yeah I can relate to all of that I actually got a tattoo on my arm at seven months sober that says, feel it all. Mm. And it is for that reason. It is my reminder when things are getting tough that I need Mm. to sit and feel it. And one thing I tell myself is if I'm sad, I don't say I'm sad. I say I'm feeling sad because if I just say I'm sad, I'm owning it. If I say I'm feeling sad, then I can let it go. Because when you when you identify as a feeling, it's a lot harder to let an identity go than to just release something that you're feeling because we're going to feel different things throughout the day, sad, happy, scared, excited, all those things. And so if we can just no just notice that every emotion is just that. It's just an emotion. It comes and goes. The good and the bad, they all come and go. And that is why I got that tattoo to feel it all, because when I was drinking, not only did it take away the bad, the bad feelings, but I noticed that I was losing the good stuff too, because alcohol doesn't mm. pick, it numbs you out completely. So then I just was like mm. at this weird baseline all the time. And I wasn't ever allowing myself to grieve things, to feel things that were uncomfortable um, to, to even confront things that bothered me. You know, I, I don't like confrontation. So I would just drink. And ta- and when you're talking about how sometimes you just feel sad, but you don't even know why you're feeling sad. Like you just wake up and you're like, I'm sad. I remember going through that. And I still sometimes have those moments. And what I think it is for me personally is all of those things that I pushed down from 14 and I'm, I'm almost 43. So from 14 to 42, mm. all those things I pushed down, they didn't go away. They're they're Mm. still there. So now they're coming up and I might not know why I'm feeling sad because it's an old emotion that I pushed down. And so I don't remember because it could have been something that happened to me you know, when I was 15 that I really don't remember, but I never processed it correctly because I really feel we have to process these emotions correctly or they become anxiety and they become all these things. And so what I would do is, days that I would feel sad. And even if I couldn't, I, cause sometimes, you know, yeah, if you can name it, you can tame it, right. If you can t- name it, you can be like, okay, this is what's going on, work through it. But the days I couldn't, I would just put on a meditation of some sort or just sit and I would just let myself feel it. And I would just let myself cry. And I just tell myself, it's okay. It's okay to be sad right now. Just let it out yeah So I would cry I over think, things I didn't even know what I was crying about I know, I know.
1: and I think I think that is it's just a, it's just a learning curve it's just and actually every time every day that I would feel, now you know every day that I'm feeling something different or feeling sad like you say maybe that is an old thing that 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 I've buried that has come out and now that's gone that's one day closer to getting more comfortable more used to or or getting these whatever they are these demons or you know actually Mm -hmm. getting them out of me for the first time so I think the way I just keep really looking at especially this early phase is I've got I've got to go through it there is no there is no shortcut there is no instant pill that I can take or or instant fix and because I'm so used to it. you drink one drink, two drinks and then it all goes again so not having an instant fix is hard but ultimately it's going to be worth it and I know that and that and that is the magic of it that I just was very naive when i first just like really knew that this was the absolute decision and that was it alcohol was no more for me i just sort of naively thought that within a month or even really within a few days, as soon as that, you know, that last hangover wore off, I just thought, well, everything's going to be fixed, and my life is just going to be magical, and I and I had no idea what I was actually letting myself in for emotionally, um, what was to come, so all those first feelings that come up, then it is going to get easier, and it is going to get brighter, and to put it positive spin back on that like you were saying about you know it doesn't it doesn't discriminate the good and the bad Um, the joy that I feel now if something does make me laugh or make me smile or is just 10 million times stronger than it has ever been I feel like one of the biggest gains I've got since getting sober is laughter and I just laugh at the most ridiculous things.
0: <laughs> it's
1: real, real, you know, that innocence of childhood. I childlike, think childlike, yep. And I just like my belly hurts. I'm crying and I, and I couldn't even tell you most of the time what what it what it was that's so funny. But that is it it is brilliant. It is the best medicine because you can feel it. You can feel that that joy. Um but yeah, so there are there are obviously the goods do massively still outweigh the bad. But um yeah, I think I think it is a it is a, it is a journey that I didn't not I didn't prepare because you know if you go if you go and do a marathon or you go on a hike or something, you often do some training ahead of right. or something. Well for me, even though I had wanted to stop drinking for a long time, actually the decision to stop drinking was was pretty quick. It was a pretty Right, that's it. That I'm done. Kind of a moment. So I, it's like I didn't get any training before. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't give myself time to think this through, which is ultimately, obviously, the best way to do it. It was a shock. It was a shock. Those first, especially those first couple of weeks of just crying at literally anything and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it, it's just it's just recognizing it now. And I think what you were saying was was yeah really lovely about the um you know actually talking to yourself and and think this is an emotion and I'm going to try that oh, that's a good tip mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so it's also just about being kind to yourself and it I is. and I really really struggle with that too I struggle to give myself enough of a break I'm really hard on myself to be like but I should be happy and I should be this and I've got everything that I want and you know and all of those things are true but I'm also allowed to just sit and go this is really tough today because it's it's like learning to write with my other hand you know I've I've only ever lived life one way that that's all I've ever done so yeah it's going to take time it's not it's not overnight um I'm saying all this is if I, I should, I should be telling myself all of this every day, but I am really hard on myself. And I think that makes, you know, that doesn't make it easier.
0: Yeah. But I think that it's, you just said that really beautifully, like giving yourself that grace. And like you said, it's like learning to write, write with your opposite hand. Like this is all new. I mean, starting drinking at a really young age and using that as a crutch for your whole, you know, teenage adult life. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work and it isn't going to be easy, but I love the part, how you said the, the joy side is better than ever the laughing and all of that, because I think that's the reward. I notice after some hard days always follows this huge euphoric feeling, you know, I'll get a day after that, where I just, it's almost like I'm being rewarded for sitting with the hard stuff and working it out so that I can make space. I removed the negative feeling, the negative Mm. energy and made space then for the joy to come in. And Mm. that's how, that's how I view it. And that's another way that I get through those negative feelings is I tell myself, if we don't work through this, we don't have any room left for joy. And we want to open up for the joy.
1: Yeah, and and it's also you have more time, I guess, for for figuring out where that joy comes from. Mm-hmm. I think that is a, that is another thing that I struggled more with at the start. Where does joy come from? Because my whole life, I've I've associated good times with alcohol. Um, I've associated having fun with alcohol. I've associated friendships with alcohol relationships like, like my everything has always everything that I've ever thought was fun or good or would make me happy or would make me laugh came through drinking when I don't now want to go to a pub I I, I don't want to go to a restaurant I don't want to go to a bar I don't want to go to a party um so where else is my joy going to come from and that can be quite scary but it's also it's really quite liberating to think that so I'm I'm 36 and it's like right, I'm 36 and I can pretty much start afresh. It's like I can carve out now, I've got the opportunity to realize what I actually enjoy, what I want to do, what I never thought I never thought was interesting, but actually it's really, really interesting. You know, it's like it's like I've got this whole new world to explore and that that's really that's really exciting in itself but mm. and then when you find something that you actually do enjoy in that world yeah that's where the it's like that's where the magic happens again it's like wow this is this is so simple but I'm really really enjoying it um and I'm sober you know I, and a drink wouldn't make this better a drink would make this a million times worse. Um. <laughs> or just impossible. You know, you can't, you can't do so much when you're, when you're drinking. Um, mm-hmm. so there, it, the possibilities are endless and, and I'm, I'm enjoying that part
0: of discovery. It's like a blank ca- canvas, you know, like a yeah, hard reset. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so let's talk like sober support. Cause you're six months in And I know that for me, I had a really hard time in the beginning finding support because I didn't go to AA um, and everyone around me was still drinking. I didn't have one person that decided to get sober with me. I was like, let's, I'm just going to go rogue and do this. So me, by the way, that's just how I am. (laughs) Um, But like you, I didn't realize what I was really getting myself into. I thought that I would still be able to hang out with everybody, but I just wouldn't drink. And I learned that's not how it was going to go down, and so it was really, really hard. Do you have friends that are sober? Have you made new friends? Where are you at with that?
1: So um, I, w- I'm really lucky because my mum got sober about three, nearly three years ago. Um, okay. And my my mum was one of my, was one of my biggest drinking buddies, actually. Um, and our our family is very much a party sort of drinking family and um so I I don't think if I hadn't seen the transformation in my mum it would have been as easy for me to I mean it, not that it has been easy but and it right. still took me two and a half years of her being sober for me to, to give it a go but that was yeah a clear inspiration because she looks better she feels better she's happier and she does not miss alcohol at all um, and her life hasn't really had to change at all apart from her not drinking I've got a different relationship with alcohol my you know my my journey is different to hers but I do think without I think if my mum hadn't have got sober we'd both still be stuck in that in that drinking pattern without you know neither of us would have addressed it so I'm really will always be so thankful for setting, you know, setting that example. But with yeah. that came its own issues, I suppose, is that she became a lot less tolerant of my behavior, obviously, because she was sober. I used to always have my mum's my house as my kind of escape, um, either from the children or from, from my husband, who, um, you know, rightly so became quite controlling over and monitoring of my drinking. So I would go over to to stay at my mum's house for the weekend and then I could pretty much get away with anything I wanted and behave however I wanted. But the more sober my mum got, the less tolerant she became on that behaviour. Um, and so I kind of just lost my ally and I lost my alibi. <laughs> I, lost, I lost my freedom in that sense. So that, again, I've had... Loads of different versions of drinking um, throughout the years, but ultimately towards the end of my drinking, what had changed massively is I didn't really have anywhere to go or anyone to go with, and so that kind of brought, I suppose it brought it abruptly to its knees. I did actually decide to go to AA. Um, and I don't, I, don't, I don't know why it caught, why, it wasn't that I'd ever tried to get sober properly. I mean, when I was much younger, when I was about 22, I did go to a drug, like a young drug and alcohol counsellor place because I knew, I, you know, I knew back then that I, it, my, my behaviours and my, my relationship with alcohol was, was really not healthy um. But I didn't. I actually said to them when I, I can remember the first session I had with that counselor, saying, "I'm here because I never want to have to go to AA. Um, I never want to have to not be able to drink one drink in my life." And obviously, I mean, it didn't. It it didn't work. Um, I I wasn't ready at all, and I was yeah. It's so, so. It wasn't. It was a waste of time, but it didn't it wasn't a real attempt into recovery Mm -hmm. and every other attempt I've made has been very secret in my own head I've sort of said to myself right just see if you can get this just see if you can get to a week or just see if you can go to that party and not drink or you know the I mean the constant battle of moderation was just (laughs) everyone everyone knows about that battle but the the not drinking at all battle I always had with myself because I kind of always knew that I didn't really mean it and I didn't want to I wanted to save face I didn't want to say to people oh I'm gonna not drink for a week and then fail so I think when I really the day the last time I had a drink and I I I don't know what changed in me it it wasn't like it wasn't a massive horrendous rock I mean it wasn't good it wasn't one of my best um performances <laughs> but it was you know I've, I've had worse things happen I suppose that could sure. be cast as rock bottoms but something just clicked in me that day and the game was up for me and mm-hmm. I just was like I have to do something differently I, it's not enough to just say I'm gonna um I'm just going to try really hard. Um, And I wanted to show myself more than even than anybody else. I wanted to show myself that I was actually serious about it. And I wanted to sort of strike while that iron was hot because Mm I was so determined. And I was so, I think what really just ultimately what happened is I just for the first time ever accepted that I have issues with alcohol and as simple as that sounds until you can accept really accept like as soon as I when I had to look at myself and go I cannot ever really I've never been able to I'm never going to be able to be a healthy drinker or a normal drinker like everything in my whole life has revolved around this substance and all the good, or the bad, or the carnage, or the chaos, or the destruction—that has all been caused by one thing. So, isn't it about time I just accepted that I can't keep doing this to myself, and to my family, and to my friends, and you know, to my children especially? Obviously, I mean, it was that that changed in me, and I wanted to make—I wanted to make a serious commitment, and I wanted to make myself accountable. And I wanted to have something to really to show up for something. I needed that. I needed mm-hmm. to do something differently. So I went, I I mean, I'd never ever been to an AA meeting before. Um yeah, I've been going, you know, I've been going ever since. So I've been I've been really lucky because I I didn't I went in with a very open mind. I didn't have a lot of preconception. I had been told, you know, even actually the day I went to my first meeting my husband was like well I don't think that's right path of you that's you know that's that's all church and stuff and I was like well I have no idea and so I went like I say I just went open-minded and then really I think the thing that stuck out to me was how normal everyone there was you know that I wasn't I wasn't just sat there with that really stereotype uh, you know that, that's what I think the, the stereotype is that You only go to something like AA if you're, you know, know, if your skin's yellow and you're you're living on a sort of park bench. And um, I was very lucky that I just walked in and felt a sense of identification straight away. And people were my age, people were older, people were younger, and and it was just a it was the kindness that really shone out to me. so, yeah, so i've been i've been really lucky that i've fully embraced that journey um i haven't i didn't have to fight against the sort of spirituality side of it i've really have i've really enjoyed that journey of spirituality um i think i've always sort of known that there is something that's looked after me because mm-hmm. you know the amounts of situations I've been in and i' I'm still here <laughs> yeah. you know there 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 is i used to always i i used to joke about it actually, which is not you know when i when I think now I think it they it wasn't funny, but I used to think I was like the cat with nine lives like because I just always somehow made it un unscathed, but I wasn't unscathed, you know, I may have had all right. my limbs intact and but I wasn't unscathed and that's I guess what I'm discovering now is the in this journey is actually wow, I've put myself through some really awful thing because I couldn't control how much I was I could not I couldn't I couldn't control my just what I was drinking. I, I put myself through that. So yeah, so I've I, I haven't had to fight with that concept at all of of you know turning to something and and I've really enjoyed that journey of um growing my faith in whatever you know I don't even mm-hmm. really know what I still don't know what my faith is in but it's in something and I that that is another part of this discovery that I, I really want to nurture and and get I don't know if getting awakened is even the right the right term because like I said I was never I was never asleep to it I just sure. didn't yeah. I just didn't make as much time for it as mm. I am as I'm making now so yeah so I uh, so I've been really lucky um that I've got the pillar of my family is sober um because our Christmases and our birthdays and our family events look so different now I wouldn't have been able to do you know this Christmas just gone um mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do that sober if my mum wasn't sober and also the you know the other members of my family I suppose they that haven't had issues they've just sort of grown up (laughs) you know does that that make sense like you know there's kids they just grew up and so alcohol isn't a thing to them anymore whereas but it still was very much so to me so yeah I guess the family dynamic has changed a lot from being big party boozy alcohol to just a normal (laughs) normal I'm going to say in inverted commas but Um, And my husband has stopped drinking as well. Um,
0: I was going to ask what his relationship was like with alcohol. So was he a drinker prior to you getting sober?
1: He was, no, not really. I mean, he drank more in his 20s than he did in his 30s. But he still, I suppose, drank drank in his 30s. But um, he had the, the gift of really terrible, and I say it's a gift, he would say it's obviously a curse, but... He had the gift of really terrible, terrible hangovers. Just from even like small amounts of alcohol would make him feel awful for days. Whereas those hangovers didn't catch up with me until quite more recently, I suppose. And they weren't enough to stop me. You know, I would feel mm-hmm. horrific, but mm-hmm. I forgot about that the next time I wanted to drink. Whereas he didn't. He was like, oh no, I. He he had that discipline to think if I have another drink, I'm going to feel awful. His drinking changed. closer you you know the the closer that we got because he was always having to look after me or um check that I was going to get home again you know if we were both out of control then what's going to happen so he kind of had to take on that um minder kind of a role so Mm -hmm. he drank less and yes so so before before I stopped before he stopped. his, his he he could have one or two drinks at home, no problem. Um, You know, just if he fancied it. And I I just always found that completely bizarre. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, so it's been, it's very supportive, the fact that he has stopped drinking, but I would be lying if I said that it hasn't also really annoyed me at times because (laughs) I'm like, how is it so easy for you? Like, how have you just gone, that's it, I'm not going to drink anymore either? And I know that sounds like such a selfish, resentful, kind of childish and petulant thing to say, but sometimes I just looked at his sobriety journey and just thought, well, lucky for you, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, because he's not going through any of this em- emotional turmoil and, um, you know, but that's, that's the difference, I suppose, is someone who didn't have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol to someone
0: who does. It is. And, you know, I could totally see where that would be really frustrating. You know, you're struggling, he's not, but also silver lining, he's doing that with you because a lot of spouses, mine included, don't always quit. And that's really, really hard. Um, so, Mm.
1: you know, it's the better of the two outcomes yeah, for sure it is. um but it um and also that you know there's there isn't alcohol in the house and stuff so that it it yes I can I can only be grateful for that just on the flip
0: side of yeah uh-huh, but <laughs> yeah. no I 100% get it my best friend she's a moderate drinker and I just when we get together we don't drink because she doesn't need to drink right but I know that she can drink whenever she wants, if she wants. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do you do that? How is that? You know, cause for me, it was so obsessive, you know, everything, like you were saying, everything revolved around it and that's the difference. And we just got to kind of accept that that's who we are. And like you said, once you accept that, I mean, that's when things shifted for you in your mind and that's when mm. you knew you had to be done. So we got to be in a way, you know, very grateful that we've come to terms with the Mm. fact that that's just who we are we are people who Mm. cannot just have one it's not going to happen yeah
1: and I think it's actually so simple when you put it like that isn't it it, it's just that is all you really need to understand about yourself and it's like if I had a nut allergy or if I had a seafood allergy or something it's People will probably go, "Oh, that's a shame that you don't get to eat that pistachio thing." And it's like, "Yeah, that's a shame, but it does. It's not the same, really, is it?" Without alcohol, you can't really turn around to someone and say, "Oh no, if I if I drink that, oh, well, wait and see what happens to me." If I drink <laughs> that because you might think I'm a really nice person now, but within an hour, I can assure you, you'll either be my best friend or my worst enemy.
0: <laughs> I I wish it would be that way, where if you tell someone no alcohol and, and I do not mix like mm. that, they would just accept it. Why? why I, I wish there wouldn't have to be this. Well, why do you have a problem? Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. if you, like yeah. you said, you tell someone you can't have pistachios. They don't dig deep into why you can't have pistachios. They're just like, yeah. oh, Well, I wouldn't want you to feel bad for having one. And that's how people should treat you. When you say, I don't drink. You know, they should be yeah. like, well, yeah, then I respect that. I don't want you to feel bad, but it's more of their relationship with alcohol. Don't you feel like the people that are questioning you or having an issue with it? It's because mm. they have, a, a un you know, an unhealthy relationship themselves that they're dealing with and they're putting it on a pedestal and not seeing it as an issue. Mm. That's usually what I try to tell myself when those things come up and people question. Yeah.
1: I think the most irritating thing I get um, that the thing that irritates me the most is when people say oh but you know you didn't drink every day or you didn't drink Mm -hmm. first thing in the morning," and and it's like they can't quite grasp the concept that you don't have to be even as I was saying earlier that stereotype you don't have to be that way to have had an issue and suffered a lot you know there, there is a lot of suffering that comes with even even just being a binge drinker There's that it's you're constantly on a roller coaster of up and down and up and down and it's like when is it going to be enough to just say alcohol and i did you know we we didn't agree to in society in general i mean right when is it be enough that you don't have to be on a liver transplant list to for people to think that you know, it's ruined enough of your life. That it's,
0: right. So it's for people to not think so. you're being dramatic about it, cause that's how I always felt yeah. like yeah. people thought I was being overly dramatic and they were like, well, you yeah. didn't have a problem. And I agree with you. It's not a fair statement to ever tell someone if they have a problem or not with alcohol, because that's a personal thing. And it really, yeah. you know, there were, it took me years of, telling people that I felt like my, my alcohol was an issue and them saying, Oh no, 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 you don't have a problem. You mm-hmm. don't drink every day. And that's all I needed to hear to keep going with the alcohol. Right. And that's all I needed yeah. to hear to, you know, or the big, like, Oh, just try to moderate, you know, just drink, you're drinking, you know, four nights a week. Let's just, you know, how about we all cut down to two? Like, cause it was a big group effort half the time. And it's like, this is where the craziness is happening. Like, yeah. this is where you think you're in control. But it's the opposite. The alcohol is completely yeah. in control of you. And that just
1: com- continues
0: to fuel the denial. Doesn't it, it does. That you've got, there's
1: yeah, that's all you needed you. to hear. Because yeah. there is something wrong with like, unfortunately, there is something wrong with you. If you can't, if you don't have to think about it, then you're mm-hmm. in control over it. If yep. you think about it nonstop, all day, every single day, and, and, and face the repercussions of it and, and dread it and, and anticipate it, and you know, that's just it, there's not a lot of room left in your brain for other things. <laughs> it's really exhausting, it's really draining, isn't it? It doesn't or shouldn't ever be about the consumption, like the consumption, the amount you drink, or how often you drink. It's the behavior that comes comes with that so it didn't actually t- towards that to, you know in the last couple of years I think maybe because of the sleep deprivation or whatever it would only take maybe two or three drinks and I would my brain would switch to that monster that came out in mm-hmm. alcohol I think living in that fear of never knowing what which way you were going to go can be can be really frightening Um. It could be really frightening to not even trust your own self. Like, I had no trust in myself because I would never actually start drinking with the intention of being that person that was angry and aggressive and nasty and, you know, so, so selfish that I would just disappear off into my own world and not care about anyone, including my, you know, including my children. Mm. That behavior didn't come from you know, sitting in my bed drinking all day, 24 hours a day, that behavior just purely came from a reaction to to putting a few drinks in in me. It's just something that I don't think ever really gets talked about that much in the sense of how such a readily available drink can completely change you as a person. You know, it is like I've spent my whole life with two personalities. And which one is you know which one is actually real which 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 version of me is the real is the real me because people say the truth comes out when you drink so there's all those nasty things that I would never even contemplate things over is that how I actually think or is that just the devil <laughs> coming out in a different way or form so I think that's been a real eye-opener for me to to kind of to really accept that it wasn't actually not that it wasn't my fault because I have to be accountable for the fact that I knew that I could turn into that person if I had a drink and I had the drink anyway but yeah it's it's never it should never be about how much you drink it is what effect alcohol has
0: on you thank you for listening to the podcast today remember I am just a woman on a mission to normalize sobriety and living a sober lifestyle I am not a licensed therapist or a doctor. Please, if alcohol is causing serious physical or mental health issues, seek professional help. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to hit follow so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, leaving a five-star review will help this podcast reach more people like you in the sober community. It's an easy way to spread the word in normalizing a sober lifestyle. You should never feel alone in sobriety, so feel free to reach out to me via email or through my Instagram account at this is Steph Sober. Links to both are listed in the show notes.